Amen, amen. Hey, before I get into the word, I'm ready to preach this morning. My God, why are we taking so long? Um, I want to take a moment. We have, um, uh, you know, Chris led us beautifully in worship this morning, and we have another set of friends of ours, Kurt and Brooke. Everyone want to wave? Oh, you did already? Well, I'm going to do it anyway. I've got the live one now. <laughs> um, but uh, you might have talked about them, but you can tell what they're doing. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. Amen. 
continues in the love, it perseveres, love endures, which means that there's going to be times for us that we have to endure, that sometimes the Lord, in his great love for us, will delay. Mark it I'm getting ready to preach. But we're going to slow down, because we're not going to get there yet. Let's keep moving, because I can see some of you are still catching up. He'll come. Um, verse 7, then after, he, after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, later the Jews sought to stone you, and you are going there again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he, let's keep going, sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. It's a precursor, Jesus letting them know that I am the light of the world. And I have come for those who live in the dark hour of death and sin, and I have come to bring them light. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus was speaking of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest in his sleep. Good to know that even the disciples were slow. Verse 14, then Jesus said to them plainly, No, 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 you don't understand it. Lazarus is dead. There's another little nugget for you. It wasn't that Jesus was unaware of Lazarus' sickness. It wasn't that Jesus was unaware that Lazarus was on his deathbed. In fact, when you read this passage, you begin to understand that by the time Jesus hears word, the same day that Jesus got word that Lazarus was sick, he died that day. And Jesus knew this, but he still delayed. He loved them, so he stayed two more days. We'll get to this. And he says this to the disciples, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who's called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let us go also go, that we may die with him, talking about Jesus. So when Jesus came, he found that he, talking about Lazarus, had already been in the tomb four days. I want you to circle that, four days. When Jesus arrives in Bethany, he realizes and he hears word that Lazarus has been in the tomb for days. Let's keep going. Um, now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the woman around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, had you been here. Lord, had you been here, my brother would not have died. But watch this, verse 22. But even now, but even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give to you. Do you love the word this morning? I want to preach a message that's hopefully going to be short. I'm not hopeful, but we'll try. Titled, I can see it now. I can see it now. I sat this morning and that came to me. I was initially going to title this message more than able, but I, I felt like there was more to it than just that. And so I want to talk to you this morning, but I can see it now. I couldn't before, but I can see it now. I, I, I missed it before because I didn't know who it was, but, but I, can, I can see it now. I allowed it to pass me by and I, I didn't fully grasp what was going on, but I can, I, I can see it now. I... I've missed out on that. I've been awake all night wrestling with it. I've been awake all night kind of paying, uh, figuring out how to make it work. I don't know if that makes sense, but I can, I, can, I can see it now. 
I don't know what it is that you're facing, but I believe that by the end of this message, that your confession would be, it didn't make sense when it was happening to me. I thought God had abandoned me. I thought God had left me. I thought God had forsaken me. And I didn't see it at the time, but now that I understand more about the scripture, I understand, Rosie, I, I can see it now. I can see what God is doing. So, Lord, I am so grateful for your word this morning. I pray that as your word goes out, it would encourage your people. It would strengthen your people. And Lord, as I always pray, where your word goes out, I pray for revelation. I pray for a strengthening. I pray that our eyes reopen to what you're doing, what you're saying. And Lord, would you move powerfully across this room by the power of your word. And I pray that whatever it is that you have intended for this word to accomplish in our hearts, it shall accomplish that and shall not return void. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. You know, we, uh, thank you. I appreciate it. What's going on? What, you don't like my mouth? That's the Holy Ghost. No, I'm kidding. I, that's, that's just fatigue. Uh, I told you I get sick. You know, I was thinking about our church as we moved into this new building. And I just began to feel like I could dream again. You know, when you've been under, under a cloud, feeling like I can't come up for breath. I can't. But when we walked into the space, it just felt like the Lord had just breathed on us. He showed us his kindness. And I felt like for a long, for the first time in a long time, I could begin to dream again for our church. And so we began to write down thoughts about, you know, who I wanted our church to become. Who, 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 who we were becoming and what we could accomplish. And as you do that, it became for me a great reflection point. As I began to move very quickly from our church to myself and our family. And I thought, well, who are we becoming? Who, who do we desire to become? And what do we desire to accomplish? And it wasn't long before I was thinking about who I wanted to become that I began to realize that I first have to understand myself. If we don't understand ourselves, if we don't begin to know who we are, our own identity, learn our own proclivities, learn our own preferences, learn our own vices, unless we can understand ourselves, we will never truly become all that God has called us to be. And I said to thinking to myself, unless we can learn who we are and get a revelation of our identity, then our process of becoming will begin to look a lot like the wandering in the wilderness rather than becoming because when you break down our faith, the truth of this is simply this, that our utmost prize as believers is to become more like Jesus. But many of us endeavor to become like Christ without first understanding who we are. Because without understanding of who we are, without understanding of where we sit in this big scheme of things, what God is doing in our hearts, unless I know where I am, I can't begin to chart the course where I'm going. Your identity is crucial. Why do I say this? Because I have come to learn that your identity informs your function. Have you considered that? How you see yourself frames how you think. How you see yourself frames what you do. How you see yourself frames how you wait. How you see yourself frames how you do what you do. Your identity informs your function. This is crucial for so many of us to understand because so many of us here, we've become so great at mastering the outward appearance, at mastering and curating the look that we want to present to the world, be it through our social medias, be it through our homes, like my wife, every time we have company, it's like we live in a museum. I say, baby, people, there's life here. You know, people are gonna have to be okay that there's a little bit of junk here, there's a little bit of clothes, there's a little bit of dust. I was watching this video the other day, it's like, someone knocks on the door, what my wife thinks will happen when a, when a guest comes to the house. They'll knock on the door, we'll open the door, they'll run up upstairs, check under the bed, I knew it. 
walk downstairs, check behind the cabinets, and for dust, filthy. But we work so hard at how we can present ourselves outwardly, but we do less work on how we actually are internally. Because here's the truth, unless we can fix what's going on inside, the, the way we bear fruit in our lives is not born out of who you want to be, it's born out of who you are. The fruit that comes from your life, the things that come your way, the things that God does through you, God can't work with who you're pretending to be, He can only work with who you are. And until we can begin to switch and have a perspective shift and go, Lord, I understand the importance of identity, then we'll never truly become more like Jesus. But instead, we become better at figuring out ways to present ourselves in different ways. And I say this because, again, as I was thinking on this this morning, I have watched and passed people now for well over a decade, and I've watched that unless people tend to their identity, and take time to figure out how do I surrender myself unto the Lord and let Him do work in me. There will always be a dissonance between our confession and our livelihood. There will always be a dissonance between our confession and the way we live our lives. And I tell you what, as long as a chasm exists between who you are and who you think you are, you'll never become all that God has called you to be. Now, why do I belabor on this this morning? Because what I have come to realize is that Whilst there is a lot of work to be done in identifying ourselves and figuring out how do we surrender our lives and become vulnerable enough before the Lord that we lay ourselves bare for Him to do work, we have an even greater task ahead of us of beginning to shift our perspective of who we know God to be. It's one thing to understand self, but it's a whole other thing to understand who God is. Because unless we can learn the identity of Jesus, unless we can get a great greater perspective of who Jesus is, we'll never truly understand ourselves. But even more than that, how we see Jesus doesn't just inform your identity. How we see Jesus informs your expectations. How we see Jesus informs the way you wait. How we see Jesus informs the way you pray. How we see Jesus informs the way you worship. How we see Jesus informs the way you serve. How we see Jesus doesn't just affect ourselves, but it affects everything that comes from us. It becomes of paramount importance, not just to first and foremost figure out how we can become our true selves unto the Lord, which is your act of worship. It is an insult to God to pretend you're something he didn't make you. Because you're telling him, Lord, I'm not satisfied the way you made me. But I pray that we get an even greater desire to understand who he really is. Because without that revelation, there's a And I labor on this this morning because this is the backdrop we find in John. The Gospel of John. If you look at the Gospels, all three of them, all four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, the other three have different genres, different um, outcomes that they're trying to accomplish. But what you look at when you find in the book of John, John has one sole mission in his Gospel, is to have us as believers understanding who Jesus is. And in fact, it is in the Gospel of John that we find the seven confessions of who Jesus is. It's in John that we find Jesus say, I am the bread of life. It's in John that we find Jesus say, I am the light of the world. It's in John that we find Jesus say, I am the gatekeeper. It's in, it's in John that we find Jesus say, I am the good shepherd. It's in John we find Jesus telling us that I am the resurrection and the life. And you look at that word resurrection, it means I am your stand up again. Stand up again. I love that thought. I read that. I thought to myself, 
there is this cool commentary as well that says this, that after death, we rise again. There is an again after, the, after death has dealt its swiftest blow. We can still declare there is an again because our God that we serve, he is the resurrection and the life. He is our stand-up and our recovery. And I thought to say that to somebody this morning, that I don't know what you're facing. I know that many of you sometimes will feel defeated. You feel like you're at your end. You feel like you have nothing left to give, that you have you reached the end of your rope. But I'm here to encourage you this morning, Jamie Lynn, that our God, he is your stand-up and your recovery. I'm telling you, Megan, that the Lord, he is your stand-up and your recovery, that there is an again in your story. When, the, when death would seek to put a period, the Lord would make it a comma and say, I'm going to do it again. I am your stand-up and your recovery. This is what we have in Jesus. And until we can learn to understand and see him for who he is, the true vine, and see him as our stand-up and our recovery, we will constantly live with the flawed perspective of who he is, and it will shape the way you live your life. It will shape the way you pray. It will shape the way you worship. Too many believers are living defeated, living like we don't have a resurrected Savior, living like we don't have hope in Jesus, living like he has not encouraged us that I have overcome the world, that you will experience trials of many kinds in this life. But what, church? Take heart. Why? Because I, have overcome the church. I am your banner. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself as I'm, as I'm, as I'm rummaging through the scripture. Rummaging, there's so much in here. And I just could not get away from what John was trying to accomplish and why this story is so significant. Because it's a story that seeks to open our eyes again to who God is. And as we know who God is, it gives us a picture of what he can do. I couldn't see it
Bible tells us this, that Mary and Martha are together in this house with many mourners. Many people have gathered to cry with them. And I, I want you to picture this, that in this house there's rumblings. People go, oh, Lord Jesus loved them. Why would he not come? And, and I can imagine as the messenger comes back, Mary and Martha are eagerly awaiting, sitting at the window, kind of like the prodigal, prodigal father, the, prodigal, the, the father of the prodigal son, waiting eagerly for this messenger to come back, expecting Jesus to be right there with him. They are eagerly anticipating, and they see the messenger in the distance. And there he comes, but there is no sign of Jesus. And they have a dead brother who's already been buried. And here comes a messenger without the Lord, who they believe would come and save their brother. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, and funny, the Bible gives us a clue as to the dialogue that takes place between Mary and Martha. Because by the time Jesus comes two days later, Jesus comes two days after, in fact, on the fourth day. When Jesus shows up, you'll notice this. Martha and Mary said the same thing. Lord, had you been here? Lord, had you been here? My brother would not have died. But I want you to catch this key observation here. That Mary says, Lord, had you been here? My brother would not have died. And that's it. But Martha says to Jesus, Lord, had you been here, our brother would not have died. But watch this. She says this. But even now, but even now, I know that if God, whatever you ask of God, he will do. What happened in the two days? If you begin to dissect this passage, you realize the Bible tells us that when the messenger came back and told Mary Martha that Jesus said this will not end in death, Mary stayed in the house with everybody else. Mary sat in the house with those who were trying to comfort her. Mary sat in the house with those who were warning with her. Mary did not leave the house. She heard news and was discouraged. Why? Because she hadn't caught a revelation yet of who Jesus really was. And what he was truly saying when he told them this shall not end in death. He was giving them a picture of what he's capable of. He was giving them a picture that I am the resurrection and the life. That when I show up, death cannot be. But Mary stays in the house. But the Bible tells us that Martha gets up and gets out of the house. And the Bible tells us this, this, that Martha got word that Jesus had finally arrived. It tells you, as you read commentaries, they tell you that, that Martha would have sent a herald. I want you to draw the parallel here. In 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah is standing on the top of the mountain because in 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah had heard a word from the Lord that after years and years of drought, that rain was going to come. All it took was a word. A word arrived to Elijah that rain was coming. And all it took was a word. And Elijah stood in the stoop and began to wait until the rain would come. And he kept sending, what, a messenger to go tell him every time what he could see. Because why? He was waiting in faith. Because why? He got a revelation that if God has said it, then it's on the way. That if God has spoken it, then it is mine to take hold of. That if God has spoken it, he is faithful to bring it to pass. That if God has spoken it, even though he seems absent, even though he seems like he's abandoned me, if God has spoken it, the God I know, the God I have come to see, I can see it now. The God who I have come to believe in, the God I have come to worship, I have seen him do it time and time again. If he has spoken it, then it shall come to pass. It doesn't matter what the weather says. It doesn't matter what the report is. It doesn't matter what the herald says. It doesn't matter what the messenger says. That time and time again, the messenger comes back and says, Elijah, there's nothing out there. He says, go again. Why? Because God has spoken. The same revelation that Elijah had about who God was, Martha in this moment gets a glimpse of who Jesus really is. And she begins to piece two 
together. She goes, wait a minute. If he has said that this shall not end in death, if God has spoken it, I remember when he healed my friends. I remember when I opened my home and he taught and people were healed and people's lives were changed. If God has said it, I believe it. So Martha, unlike Mary, gets out of the house and waits with eager expectation. Why? Because she got a revelation of Jesus, which is why, unlike Mary, she declared, yes, I wish you had been here, but even now, even now, and I wonder, do you have the kind of revelation of who Jesus is, that in the face of adversity, that in the face of seeming death, that in the face of things that seem like they have now, the ship has sailed, in the face of loss, in the face of great pain, in the face of all things falling apart, we've been there, man, we've been through it, we said, I sat on my kitchen floor, wondering, Lord, have you abandoned me, it seemed like the Lord was silent, it seemed that the Lord had delayed, but I began to learn, like Martha has begun to learn, that delay does not mean denial.
that after three days, the soul has now fully departed and it is now beyond hope. I began to realize that had Jesus left as soon as he got word that Lazarus was sick, he would have arrived there on the first day of his death. And, that, and funny enough, the Bible tells us actually that Jesus on the way purposely delays even more. He stops at Zacchaeus' house and has to know it's Zacchaeus. <laughs> That's how much Jesus does not want to come early. Because had he come earlier than the fourth day, they would have said that it wasn't a miracle. This is expected. Jesus delayed until it was impossible. Jesus delayed till it was past the point of no return. Jesus delayed to the point where they thought it was over. And he shows up on the scene so that no one else can take credit. Jesus shows up on the fourth day. And this is why it's so significant what Martha says because she has truly understood that Jesus is who he says he is, the resurrection and the life. Because even now, on the fourth day, I have faith to believe that you can do it again. Yeah. And I don't know who this is ministering to, but I'm telling you, we've been there. We were at our end. We had hit rock bottom. I kid you not, this ministered to me when I read it because it was on a Saturday afternoon. Wow, wow. We, now we have been seven weeks online because we couldn't find a place to meet. And I didn't know if we would have a church to come back to if ever we found a building. And I got home defeated, sat on my kitchen floor, couldn't even make it in the living room, sat on my kitchen floor. And I cried out to God and I thought, I, I, you need to come through now because I don't, know if we, I don't know if we can continue on like this. And I kid you not, Sunday we got together as a team and we began to praise him like he had already come through. Because Jesus loved us enough to delay. Because I don't know for many of you in the room, did you feel a shift? Something shifted in me. Something changed in me. My perspective shifted. My faith shifted. The ground underneath my, 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 the soles of my feet became more sturdy. Because I began to no longer trust in myself. But I began to catch wind of the word of God. That the Lord has called us to start this church. And if God has spoken it, then he will do it. And I remember I was praying and said, it takes faith. It doesn't take a lot of faith to praise God for blessing. But it takes maturity. And it takes faith to praise God for a closed door. It takes faith to praise God when everything seems impossible. It takes faith to look at the Lord and say, even now I know you can perform a miracle. And we had our even now moment. And I'm telling you, I'm not even lying to you. It was a Saturday. We had the Sunday. We had the Monday. We had the Tuesday. Ask me when the Lord opened up this building. On the fourth day. On the fourth day. On the fourth day. God loved us enough. I learned more about the character of God. I learned more about the faithfulness of God. I learned more about the steadfastness of my God. I learned more about how much if God has spoken it, then he will do it. And all I have to do is stay is to remain faithful and allow God to do what he said he would do. Let me tell you something, if you feel like the Lord has been absent, if you feel like he has never been further, can I encourage you as I close this thought that every single time, if you look through scripture, every time it has seemed that God has been absent, God has been working in power to deliver his people. Think on Egypt. 
400 years it felt like God was absent. What did God do in Egypt? He parted the Red Sea. You fast forward to Babylon. They were in exile in Babylon and it felt like God had never been further. But what did God do through Babylon? What seemed impossible, they rebuilt the temple and found a place to worship and he prepared a table for them in the presence of their enemies. You fast forward to Malachi. 400 years of silence from the Old Testament to the New Testament and it seemed like God was distant and it seemed like God was absent. But what did God do after the absence of the Old and the New Testament? He gave us Jesus. And if that doesn't inspire you enough, think on Acts. Acts, Jesus dies and he's, oh my God, think of the resurrection, think of the Easter story. He dies on the Friday and there's silent Saturday. And you think God is absent and you think he's gone. But I love that God does his greatest work when he seems most absent. Because after his absence in the tomb, he left an empty grave. And he took off his grave clothes. And he says, I have won your soul for eternity. I have come to suffer you all. God does his greatest work when it seems like he is most absent. Think on Acts chapter 2. He has departed and they are waiting. And they're going, I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder where the Lord is. I wonder if we're going to get a breakthrough. And what does God do? He moves by the power of his Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you, church. Shift your perspective. Get a revelation of the God that you serve. He is the bread of life. He is the good shepherd. He is the resurrection of life. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is your strong tower. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is the all-sufficient one. He is, oh my God, He is all things. He is the great I Am. He is the potter of the seas. He is the defeater of our enemies. He is the bread of, oh my God, He's everything. He's everything. He's everything. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the King of Kings. I don't know what it is you're facing this morning, but I can encourage you, if you would take a moment and hold on to the word and not be swayed by your circumstance, you will find yourself like Martha saying, I can see it now. I didn't see it before, but I can see it now that my God is great and there is none like him. God, God, I pray you get this. I can see it now. I missed it before, Lord. I missed it before. I was caught up in my own sin. I was caught up in my own defeat. I was caught up in my own doubt. I was caught up in my own failure. I was caught up in my own feelings and emotions. But Lord, I can see it now that you are working. You are working and you are working in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord, that you remind us this morning that delay does not mean denial. That delay is a precursor to you performing some of your greatest work in our lives. And I'm thanking you, Lord Jesus, that for many in the room today who find themselves on the fourth day, that they could look to you and say, even now, I believe that you can do a miracle because I now know that you are my stand-up and my recovery. In Jesus' name, amen. Can the saints say amen? amen. Glory to God. Here's what I want to do to end the service. I did pretty good on time. It's impressive. I skipped a few things, but the Lord did what he needed to do. I want to take a moment this morning. I wanted to pray for two things. The first being this. If you're at the end of your rope and you feel like you identify with Martha and Mary, you feel like your proverbial death has gotten the better of you. You feel like the circumstance you're facing, it, it might have begun to defeat you. You might be getting to the end of yourself and you just can't seem 
want to specifically pray for you that God would give you revelation because it starts with revelation of who he is. Because as I understand who he is, it'll change the way you wait. When you understand who he is, it'll change your confession. And so I'm praying this morning that the Lord will give you revelation of who he is and it might shift the way you live your life. And the second thing I want to pray for, I want to precursor so you have time to consider where you stand with the Lord. If you're in this place this morning,
Dear Jesus, come on, we can do better than that. As a whole church family, dear Jesus, I made this decision this morning to surrender every part of my life to you. Today is a new beginning. Because of you, Jesus, the power of sin is broken. I'm a child of God, a follower of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your love and grace. Thank you for your forgiveness and mercy. You are alive in me, now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. I mean, can we congratulate people who made that decision this morning? If you made a decision, scan that QR code and one of our team will get back with you. We'd love to get a Bible into your hands and a gift with you and begin to walk with you and talk you through this journey of faith. Because this decision is not the end of a destination. It is the beginning of a powerful, life-giving, life-altering relationship with the God who loves you and wants to walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. And you can fear no evil. In Jesus' name, amen.